Um, we're going to hear from Christy. She has a testimony that she'd like to share. Um, you know, obviously with all the health issues that she's been going through uh, over the last almost year now, she has learned a lot. She's learned a lot about herself um, in her times of just, you know, struggle. And she's learned a lot about God. And so today, um, I've invited her to come and share uh, some of those things that our God has taught her. And hopefully, you'll be blessed. Um, and hopefully, there's something in your life that... Uh, uh, you can apply some of the things that she's learned. All right, so let's give a, a warm welcome to Christy. She's already crying. to start off with Isaiah 43 um, and he says Isaiah 43 if you will turn with me or just listen but now this is what the Lord says he who created you O Jacob he who formed you O Israel fear not for I have redeemed you I have summoned you by name you are mine when you pass through the waters I will be with you and when you pass through the rivers they will not sweep over you when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The blames will set, not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just pray that you will be able to use me for your glory. And I pray that you will be honored and glorified um, today as I share your story of what you've done in my life. Thank you, and um, I pray that you will prepare our hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to try really hard not to cry, but I just want to warn you guys, I'm actually on steroids, like high doses of steroids, <laughs> so, so the doctor said that, this was, the doctor looked right at Pastor Young and said, she's going to be really, really aggressive and really moody, irritable and grouchy, and you just have to take it. <laughs> this is not her, it's her medication, and she will have insomnia. So. I don't know if you guys know that part of my like struggle with my health since last fall has been I'm really tired and exhausted, but because of the steroids I'm not able to sleep, so I'm a little concerned that once the steroids runs out, what's going to happen, how tired I'll be. But if I am a little like grouchy, irritable, like Ur, please excuse me and forgive me. <laughs> it's the medication, as the doctor said. <laughs> so if I'm extra nasty, please forgive me. Okay. Well, um, today I just wanted to focus on two things that has been so, um, how God has moved mightily in my life is forgiveness, the power of forgiveness, and being thankful. And um, I really believe that they're complementary and synergistic, and forgiveness comes with thanksgiving, and thankfulness comes with forgiveness. And I just want to share my story. Um, I was born in Korea. And my, my dad, when I was two and a half, left for the United States for a better life. So I never, I, I didn't, I didn't remember meeting my dad. I didn't remember, I never, I didn't meet him. I just saw pictures of him. And so when I was five, um, I had these dreams about what 
this, this um, wonderful land called the United States would look like. And in my mind, it was like a road paved with gold. It was like heaven, you know, as a child. And because I didn't have, um, have a dad, I'd watch TV and um, I'd dream about what it'd be like to have a family, to have a dad, have a mom in one house. So as a child, I would dream about that. And then when I was five, my, um, there was a huge party at my, my aunt's house and then I went to go get ice cream and when I came back, my mom was gone. She had actually decided to join my dad in the United States and decided not to say goodbye because it was too hard for her. And um, I still remember that day being so scared. And then I was left to live with my aunt for um, several months and during that time I had the mumps um, so if you don't vaccinate your kids please do it it's really painful I've had the mumps and um, I had polio and um, so for me to be this tall is a miracle I almost lost usage of my legs and even that too um, that's a long story but it was God's hand was in all of that so um, I finally found out that I was going, my parents saved enough money, sent, a tick, sent the airplane tickets for me, and I was going to join my parents. And I got so excited. So all the dreams of what a family would look like, you know, was in my mind. And I got excited. And I got on a plane and um, by myself <laughs> from Korea <laughs> to the United States. That's a miracle, too, I think. I, a lot of bad things could have happened during that time. And I met my dad for the first time at the airport. And my dad said to me, he said, are you my daughter? And I looked at him and I said, are you my dad? And he asked me what my name was and I asked him what his name was and that was the first time I met my dad. And I was so excited about what it was gonna be like. And for a few, I think for a couple weeks it was good. And then the violence began. And um, my parents fought all the time. All the time. And so I grew up very scared. And so my dreams of what a family would look like just shattered, shattered overnight. And God is so good because during this time, well, before I came to the United States, I went to a kindergarten, and it was a Christian kindergarten. They told me about God. They told me who Jesus was. And um, I have to explain this because that moment changed my life. They showed me a picture of Buddha made of a tree because everyone in Korea, basic, they're basically Buddhists. And then they showed me a picture of God, his hand, and the world like this. And they said, oh, who are you going to believe? This thing made of a tree or this God who holds the world in his hands? I decided to go with God. <laughs> so in my mind, in my heart, that the gospel seed was planted. And because my house was so violent, my mom, I think God spoke to my mom, and, and um, my mom asked our neighbor, how do you raise children well in the United States in this culture? And my neighbor was, they were devout Christians. And they said, oh, I'll tell you how to raise kids right. You've got to take them to church. So my mom started letting me go to church with this, this couple. 
every Sunday. I'm so thankful for this couple because they took me to church every Sunday. And, um, and that's how I started praying and getting to know who he was. So my, I grew up in a very, very violent home. And because it was so violent and their marriage was so awful, and, um, you know, just every, every day I felt like divorce was imminent. We weren't sure. I wasn't sure what would happen. My mom would threaten to run away. My dad would threaten to leave. So I'm this little kid, like Joshua's age, scared to death who I'm going to find or who I'm not going to find at home, right? And I lived in downtown LA, I, third in that way. I used to walk to school down third in Normandy. Any of you guys familiar with, with downtown LA? You do not walk around in third in Normandy. And so I, I grew up there. <laughs> I know you guys thought that was fine. Um, so my dad was so, I think my parents, just the immigrant life, their marriage being so bad, I just think that they just didn't have patience. You know, they didn't have Jesus. Like, I think when you don't have Jesus, life, marriage is just awful. So when I was five, so I was really, really tall. When I look at Jeremiah and the way he grows, I, that's the way I was. I would grow like that. So every couple months, I'd have to get new shoes. And I went to this shoe store called Kenny's. Kenny's, do you guys remember that? Yeah? And my parents made me so nervous that I would, even if I wanted this pair of shoes, I would touch something else. And one day there were these Mary Janes, these black Mary Janes I wanted, but right next to the Mary Janes were these big brown ugly shoes. And I touched the big brown ugly shoes and my parents bought those for me. I, didn't, I couldn't try out anything else. That was it, we were in and out in five minutes. And I was so upset that I didn't touch the black shoes. When I, and then my parents, they took me to, um, once in a while they'd buy me toys. I, I didn't grow up with many toys. I just think their life was so hard that they just didn't have the time to think about, I'm an only child too, think about their child. And so I was, there was a place called Zodi's. Are you guys old enough to remember that, Zodi's? Anyway, went there to go buy a toy for me and there was like a Barbie head where you curl the hair, right? And I wanted that so badly, but I ended up touching something else, and <laughs> we ended up not getting the Barbie head or got something else. And I remember crying about that, because I wanted that thing so badly, but I didn't end up getting it. And then when I was in um, third grade, my parents, um, I told them I wanted a bike, and they said, well, you, since you're an only child, we're gonna buy you a big adult bike. And so we can only, we only need to buy you one bike. When you're in third grade, like the adult bikes are pretty big and I couldn't get on them. So I would um, get on top of those, like the, you call those, those, you know, the side walls, the bricks next to the garden. And I would climb on top of that and then I'd jump on my bike and then I, I would teach myself how to ride a bike. And I would, um, that's, how, that's how I taught myself how to ride a bike. And I would, I'm a chicken, so I would ride it in the school yard. I didn't want to ride on the sidewalks. And then my parents, I think because their marriage was so hard and their life was so hard, on the outside, we looked like an amazing family. You know, my dad is a, is a doctor. My parents were starting to go to church now. I'm an only child. I looked like I had a lot. But inside, I hated my life. Hated my life. And my parents never came to a single thing I did at school. So I was the first chair in, um, in band for flute. My parents never came. They never came. So I just stopped asking. I just stopped asking. My life and their life became very separate. 
And when I was 15, I decided I hated my life. Just didn't want to live anymore. Like, what's the point? When your parents don't, and I think a lot of people understand when you feel so unloved or unwanted, you don't want to live anymore. So when I was 15, that's when I met Jesus. When I decided I didn't want to live anymore is when I met him. So when I realized that God, this person, God loved me, I received him as my, as my love, as my Lord and Savior. And he became my dad and he became my mom. But obviously, um, there's still a lot of forgiveness that, you know, all the pain and the hurt that I had with my parents. You know, just the violent life and just, um, I think with physical violence comes verbal abuse too. So just a lot of that. And a lot of trauma in my life that it's too long to detail um, and list. But when I was, um, when I went to, when I was 20, well, I went to this retreat, and when I went to this retreat, there was this like part of the retreat where you have to forgive people, and I was like, I'm such a good Christian, I don't need to forgive anybody, like, you know, I was like, I'm such a good person, um, I, everyone else should forgive someone, but I'm okay, I'm such a good person, you don't know how I've survived my parents, and still, look how great I am, but God convicted me, and he said, you need to forgive your dad, you need to forgive your mom, and like, oh. but they deserve, they deserve my wrath, <laughs> you know, they deserve my wrath, you know, they should suffer for what they've done, and, um, and um, God was just very persistent, you need to forgive them, you need to forgive them, and so I uh, wrote down all the things I want, I needed to forgive my parents for, and, um, and there was a part, like, you go nail to the cross, so and when I did it, and then I told God, I'm like, see, I did it. I did it. There you go now. I don't know how, you know, I did it, but I don't really forgive them. My heart hurts and blah, blah, blah. And then, um, and then I, was, I was very bratty. I'm very bratty with God. He's the only one I'm really, really bratty to. And my husband. And I said, I did what you told me to do, so you better show me how much you love me. Since I already did it. And I was praying. And as I was praying... I saw this little girl and Jesus and he was playing with me and I was wearing black Mary Janes, the same ones I had wanted. And guess what we were playing with? The Barbie head. And, and I promised to God I never told anybody how much I wanted those shoes. Nobody. I never told anybody how much I wanted that Barbie head, that toy. Only God knew. And he showed me that he had been there every part of my life. Even the moments that I never, never told anybody. And I was a child and he knew. And I just started weeping because this is my God. My God who holds the universe in his hands still knows my little, little deepest hurts and desires, and I was weeping. And then he showed me the scene about the bike, and, and I share these things with you because these are things I've never told anybody. I never said it to anybody. And guess God showed me 
riding the bike in the in the school, and guess who's holding the bike? My Jesus. He's 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 teaching me how to ride the bike. And then we moved to me put there's a concert and there's Jesus in the back and he's looking at the program and he's touching my name. All the times that I have wished that I had parents, but never told anybody. He knew. Like God knows. And when when I was able to see how much he loved me. And this was possible because of the cross. Forgiving my parents was so easy. Forgiveness is so easy. And then I became so thankful. So thankful that through these experiences, I was able to see who God was, like what God was doing. I am so thankful for my parents. Um, I think um, I could sit here and and, um, tell you all the awful things that they've done, but I could tell you all the wonderful things that God has redeemed them. Um, That my, you know, he, God is my father. He's my Abba father. Because my dad, my mom could never fulfill for me my desires and the heart and the longing, but my Abba Father did. And Abba Father does. He continues to do so. If I did not go through this, what I did, I don't think I would have sought him the way that I did. I would not have clung to him. I would not know his goodness. And that is something I cannot buy, I cannot read, I cannot learn. It's only something that I know because I've lived it and I trust God with every step of it. You know, um, people always ask me when they hear my testimony, how can you live with your parents? With your parents and, you know, what they put you through. Are you kidding me? I give thanks to God that only by his power and strength and might that my mom and I have a beautiful relationship in the Lord, which is only possible because of the cross. You know, God is redeeming my childhood. Whenever I see my mom loving our children, it heals me. And I praise God. I praise God. It's, isn't God wonderful? I think God is so brilliant that God uses every experience to teach me and show me how great our God is. Right? That he can even go back and heal things. When my mom packs my lunch for work, it heals me. You know why? Because when I was little, my mom never packed my lunch. But now she gets up every morning when I go to work, she packs me this big bag of lunch. Who is that? That's not the power of man. That's the power of God. And it's also the power of God that I'm able to see what God is doing. You know, I could sit here like, of course you should pack my lunch. But no, it's, it's God. God's showing me, see, look what I'm doing. When I see my mom cooking for our family, it heals me. Because she didn't cook when I was young. But here she is cooking. You know, I thank God because he is redeeming everything that was wrong in my life. Isn't God great? This past year, we've been struggling as a family with my health issues, and I'm thankful. You know, it's a gift. Um, God has opened my eyes 
to think about my life in the face of death. In our marriage, it has taught us to cherish one another more. As a family, it has taught us to appreciate and love each moment more. And as a church, I think it has brought us closer. What is there to not be thankful for? There is so much to be thankful for. I don't think I've ever felt so loved um, as I did these past nine months from um, our church. I just feel so loved. And it's a very foreign place for me. <laughs> when the women got together to pray for me, I felt so uncomfortable. Because that's not what usually happens, you know. I'm the, I'm the one who's calling and let's get this, let's pray for people, you know. And when Hannah called and Vivian setting up the prayer meeting and all these sisters saying they're going to come pray, I was like, it's okay, you don't have to do that. It's fine. But I'm also learning to receive love. Re learning to receive love from my family. My family. Our immediate church and the universal body is praying for my health. Wow, I feel like the most loved person in the whole world. Why? Because of Jesus. Nothing else, not my charm, my talents, but Jesus. It's his blood that unites us. It's his blood that gives us this family, right? You know, um, when, when we saw when I went to UCLA this Tuesday, I think I was traumatized because we walked into the room and everybody was so sick in the room. So, so sick. Like there was, people had stuff like covering their ear because they had surgery in their ear, shaved heads because they had surgery in the head and the neck. Like there are bandages in places that you just cannot imagine, eye, ear, everything. And I just sat around thinking, man, these people are really, really sick. Like super, super sick. And then I realized we were at the head, neck, head and neck oncology surgical center, and I realized I was one of them. Like, I'm one of these people. When we went to go see the doctor, he said, he said, you know, looking at the scan, everyone should have known that you have a cyst here, a tumor in the middle of your head, the center of your head. Why didn't they treat it earlier? And so the antibiotics really just got rid of the infection here, but he said, I don't know what they were doing. They should have known right away about that. I was thinking about that. You know, I, I think I have a choice. I have a choice to be thankful. I can have a choice to be resentful. And I'm really thankful because in the time that it took to heal me, like, you know, the, the getting the right medication, the antibiotics, it gave time for God to do his work, right? My, our friend Brian came, and he happens to be a head and neck oncologist who just happened to be there at the time my antibiotics were running out. So when he looked at it, he knew what had to be done. And that's God's timing. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that it took a long time, that it was his timing, God's timing, and and it just gave God, it just gave us time to be with the right doctor, and then Brian was able to recommend this one doctor, and I could sit here, I think I could look at my life and think, dear God, why did you, why is my life so awful? Why didn't you give this to me? Why didn't you give that to me? 
but actually I just have to be thankful because because of these things I feel like I know God better and deeper and wider because I know what the depths of hell looks like but I also know what the what God's grace is like and I don't think that is that's I mean I think that's irreplaceable I am thankful that um, just I am thankful and I trust God with my life, with everything, with every step. I believe in the face of hardship, we can we can honestly say, "Oh, this is hard," or "Why is this?" Or we can go, "I wonder what God is teaching me now." In John ten ten, it says, "The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy." I feel like that's the first part of my life. And the second part of my life is, but I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. I have life because of Jesus, and I have it to the fullness. I am, and my other Bible verse that I always think about and try to be is 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When in the face of hardship, now I think through all of the training that God has put me through, I think, I wonder what God is trying to teach me now. I wonder what kind of gifts and talents and training and muscles he's trying to give in me. And that makes me rejoice because he's, he's entrusting something into me, right? I believe this is a long journey that's ahead, but even with the health, but I also know it's an amazing testimony that God, God is making and his fingerprints are all over it. I talked to Vivian last night and I was kind of sharing how I'm feeling and she said, and I said, thank you so much for praying. And Vivian said, What do you mean? It's making me stronger as a Christian. It's making me closer to God to be able to pray. It's giving, you know, like kind of giving her purpose, I guess. Thank you, Vivian. And all the other people who are praying too. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. God is using all things for his glory. And I'm just so thankful. I'm thankful for every single one of you. I'm so thankful for your prayers. Um, So thankful. I'm thankful for this church, my parents, my husband, my children. I'm so, so thankful. And um, I just, I forgot my phone. Oh, here it is. I'm sorry. I just want to read this song to you. I have it right here. This was one of my favorite songs. It's Hill Songs. It says, All that I am, all that I have, I lay them down before you. All my regrets. All my acclaim, the joy and the pain, and making them yours. Lord, I offer my life to you. Everything I've been through, use it for your glory. Lord, I offer my days to you, lifting my praise to you as a pleasing sacrifice. Lord, I offer my life to you. Things in the past, things yet unseen, wishes and dreams that are yet to come true, all of my hopes, all of my plans, My heart and my hands are lifted to you. Lord, I offer my life to you. Thank you for listening.
Um, there are a couple questions that I wanted to ask uh, before I let you go. And <clears throat> I also thought maybe at the end we could say a brief prayer for Christy as well. Um, going back to the uh, when you were 15, you mentioned that you um, that you decided you didn't want to live anymore. And um, I think that's something that a lot of people, you know, these days uh, struggle with. Um, and so I was wondering if you could maybe fill in some of the detail and what happened, what made you, what changed your mind when you had decided you didn't want to live anymore? Tell me more about that. Well, um, when I was 15, I just did a lot of stupid things. And so, um, really did not like myself, did not like my wife. And um, well, yeah, there's some details there that. Okay, well, and my parents told me they had never wanted me. That they, that they never wanted kids. They never liked kids. So I was just kind of an accident, a burden. And so I was like, okay, then why am I even living? What's the point? Um, and my parents would frequently say, when people would say, how come you have an only child? They would say, oh, we don't like kids. And I would sit there and go, <laughs> so I really decided that well I thought I was going to go to heaven actually because I'd gone to church most of my life so I thought I was going to go to heaven and I took a blade and I decided keep going okay I took a blade and decided I was going to end my life uh, by uh, cutting my wrist and I was about to do that and then I couldn't because I'm a big chicken and I hurt so I took a <laughs> So I took that blade and I thought if I just stick it in the electric socket, I'll just die. Quick, and instant. Like, don't have to worry about it. So as I'm about to do it, I could literally hear the enemy goading me. Oh, yeah, do it. Come on. Come on, do it. You do it and you'll, you'll go to heaven. You'll go to heaven. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go to heaven. And then I heard this, not an audible voice, but I heard God say, I don't know you. You do that, you're not, you're not going to heaven. I'm like, what? Yes, I am. I've been going to church my whole life. Jesus said, but I don't know you. I'm not your Lord and Savior. You come to church, but I don't know you. You don't know me. So I had a big dilemma. If I end my life, I would, did not want to go to hell. The only reason I wanted to end my life was to go to heaven. <laughs> like a short expressway. But Jesus made it very clear that's not where I was headed. So... I was just torn. And that's when Jesus reminded me, he said, if I, if I could carry the cross, and if I could die on the cross for you, then you could endure this life. If I died, went to hell, and I rose, if I did that, you can live this life. And I did that for you. And here you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so going from kind of the depths there when you were 15, um, fast forwarding a couple years to kind of this 
dramatic contrast. You know, now you're at the height with this story about, you know, you're praying at this retreat, and all of a sudden you have, as you're praying, God shows you this, these images. And you kind of, I think, were going really quick through them. I don't know if you were able to really... Okay. So if you could maybe flesh out some of that and, and what that meant for you, the, you know, with Lord Jesus was with you. You know, um, my whole life I felt so insignificant. Um, And especially with my parents saying they don't like children. And they made it very clear that I wasn't important in their life. Um, So when I saw that when God showed me that this little girl, five-year-old girl with the Mary James and him playing with the doll with me, uh, my parents never played with me either. So tremendously healing for me. Uh, like I said, these were not things I, I told anybody. These were just little little hurts in my heart. And that showed me and told me and taught me that that he knows my every, every, he knows every part of me, my hurt and my pain, and and he knew what I needed, and he showed it to me. Well, (laughs) the, uh, you know, it brings to mind the verse, you know, I know your thoughts even before, you know, you speak them. And uh, when I first heard that story, uh, the way she told it, um, you know, with the bike, that part was really crazy for me because she, she, the way she told it to me was she saw a, a little girl riding a bike in the schoolyard all by herself and just so diligently trying to, you know, stay on, on the bike and not fall and riding in circles. She realized, oh, that girl's me. And then all of a sudden, she saw like Jesus running alongside the bike, holding the bike up. And you realize at that point that when she was riding the bike all alone, back when she was, what, eight, nine years old or whatever, she actually wasn't alone. God was there holding the bike up like any good parent would teaching her how to ride that bike, making sure she doesn't fall. And, um, and you know, the, the, the concert, you know, and all of a sudden the, the scene moves to the concert and you're playing there and there's a whole crowd and it's dark, you know, in the room because that's what they do. And all of a sudden you saw Jesus in the back program and kind of like a, a highlight on your name. He was pointing to it. And uh, the reason I, you know, wanted to um, focus on, on that is, you know, I think a lot of us, we go through times where we feel like, who's on my side? You know, who's for me? And she definitely went through that when uh, she, she felt like my parents don't want me. <laughs> if my parents don't want me, then who in this world is going to want me? 
you know, not even my parents, and what does that mean for me? And, and then to have these, those moments redeemed when she was praying as a college student at this retreat and God showing her all those times where you felt like you were alone and unwanted and nobody wanted you, nobody even knew your heart, I did. I was there. I, was, I knew that you wanted those shoes. And I knew that your parents bought you the wrong ones. I knew that you wanted that toy. I knew that you, uh, you know, needed to learn how to ride a bike. And I was there. And um, even when you were playing and you felt like you were playing the flute for nobody, you were actually playing for me. I was there. And I appreciate it. And I, I heard it all. And I think for all of us, um, and even now as she's struggling with this annoying thing, <laughs> That's you know sapping her energy. She's still, you know, of course we have our moments, but she's still struggling to be thankful. And you know, that's only because God is real. And I think that's really what she wants to communicate to all of us: is God is real, number one, and number two, God is so good and so loving, and He knows each of your unspoken thoughts and dreams and hopes and hurts and everything. He knows. And he loves you. And he gave his son to die for you. He gave his son in exchange to have you. Just like he did for Christy. And, you know, she as well as all of us here are, are living, breathing uh, evidence of that, of God's greatness and, and love. So, thank you for sharing. And uh, maybe we can just say a little prayer. Let's spend some time praying for Christy and um, not just her health, but also, you know, like she was saying, she just wants to be thankful. You know, First Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, good or bad. Why? Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I think she really covets your prayer that she can stay in God's will um, and be thankful in all circumstances. So... Let's spend a little uh, time here. And John, if you could play some music for us in service in that way, it would be so awesome. And, uh, and let's pray. And some, maybe you could close us out with a prayer. So let's just spend some time all together praying uh, for her health and, and for her heart to be thankful in all circumstances and to really fulfill God's will in that way.